I've lived a thousand lives. I've piloted a thousand souls. I've killed and fought and died just for another role. This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Hello, and welcome to Season 31, Episode 12 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. I'm Jameson. I'm Nick. And in today's episode, Richard asks how to get players to grab plot hooks. Emily asks how to entice board game players to play RPGs. And Daniel asks about our favorite published adventures for non-fantasy campaigns. If you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please, for the love of God, send in emails. Please, please, do the thing. Okay. If it is uh, any sort of incentive, I can read them with a really bad accent. If that's not an incentive, I can not read them with a really bad accent. But uh, I can read what, them impressions of, of other celebrities that don't sound like the person I'm trying to make. Oh, that's like. good. Yeah. That's good. Yes. That's also a side trick for getting NBC voices. Do yeah. an impression of celebrities that you don't do very well, and now you have an NBC character voice. Hey, yeah. that's very good. That's very I always like to say, hey, I'm Beyonce. That's my Beyonce impression. <laughs> Spot on. Beyonce here? I swear <laughs> they were just here. Yeah, she walks in and says, hey, it's Beyonce. Right. She does that. Announcing our new AP starring Beyonce. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, if she wants to, I'm 100% called, up for it. But, tweet yeah. at Beyonce. Be Beyblade? Right. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, now I want to make that indie TRPG. <laughs> Uh, Friend of the podcast, Beyonce. (laughs) Get her in here. (laughs) All right. Announcements. Chat is asking for the Russian accent. So Happy Jacks will be at Strategicon Orkong 2090. You have to actually understand what I'm saying for this. Okay. So Happy Jacks is going to be at Strategicon officially again, returning to our convention. (laughs) Yeah. So it's. Technically, Orcon 2023, because each one of the three cons has its own little name. Mm-hmm. This is going to be February 17th through 20th at the Hilton LAX in Los Angeles. I'm going to be running games. Anyone else running games? James? I'll be running games. Mm-hmm. James, I might. We'll be I'm running gonna, games. I'm a very strong, yeah. yeah. Don't disappoint I'll be the fans. Different You'll be running games. Down the street. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to Dr. Yeah. And Riley will be very nearby. So yeah, you should come <laughs> hang out and we'll do drinks. Yes. Doc, Doctor Who's. Who's? Who's? Because there's many of them. Well, I'm talking oh. to one singular one, so ah. I can actually say it one well, the right gotcha. one. Ah. Yes. I'm um. just talking to more than one <laughs> again. Oops. I totally. Okay. All right. So, yes. So, Strategicon or Con 2023. We're going to do the show that week, February 17th through 20th. We're going to be doing the show on Saturday night live from the convention. It's Saturday night live. Yeah. From the convention, probably drunk. And for those, we haven't done these in a long time. So there's probably a lot of listeners who are not familiar with how we do our live con show. We don't read emails for those. Everyone talks about the games they either played in or ran. And we are usually a little tipsy or a lot tipsy or very tipsy. Sometimes I don't remember the ending. Unlike shows here where no <laughs> one's ever tipsy. No one's ever tipsy. <laughs> yeah. So it's more like a slice of life. Like, this is what I ran. This is what I thought went well. This is what I thought went badly. This is what I played. This is what went well. This is what I thought went badly. Like, and we also invite people who play to come up and share yeah. their experience as well. So if you come to Orcon and you play in one of our games, 
you too can be on the show. Yes. yes. Even if you're not playing in one of our games, that's the real like key. If you're at Orcon at all, come hang out. It'll be on the schedule. As soon as we find out where we are, because they every time they give us a different place that we're going to record the podcast live, wherever we find out which part of the hotel we'll be in for the live show, we'll start tweeting it out. We'll leave flyers everywhere, stuff like that. So if you're going to be there, come say hi, hang out, get a drink. Or several. Or several, (laughs) or many. Hear about indie RPGs before that they are announced on our show. Yes. Segway. (laughs) Well, yeah, but okay, I just want to like for a moment say like how excited I am about this because the con is like one of my very favorite things we do. And it was one of the things that really solidified and it's how we found a lot of each other. Like a lot of the people who became like hosts on the show or who have become great members of our community. It's because we met up at con. Yes. And so it's like, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm a big person on community. I like building communities. And so just, I'm so excited to go back to like our community con. I did it the last one, but it was like, it's like when it, the water's really cold and you like try and just tip your toe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Do I feel safe about this? Does this feel okay? So I will be masking the whole time, but I'm still, I felt very safe last time. And I, are you bringing the, the air filter again? Yeah. Filter? Probably. I'm thinking about that too. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So I might, I have a couple in my classroom. Maybe we'll just borrow a whole bunch. So we'll have the Happy Jacks yeah. air filters to go around for the Happy Jacks game. Oh, we have a new, new merch for the store. New merch. <laughs> Your 800 square foot HEPA air filter. <laughs> Slightly very used. It'll be fine. Hepa Jack. Yeah. Hepa Jack. Hepa Jack's filtered air. Sorry. Uh, I love it. They don't smell like apples. No. (laughs) All right. This was the segue I was trying to get to. I know. You were doing great. You did great. Andy, Andy, game. Yeah. I just had to like wax poetic for a bit. All right. Our indie designer of the month is Gem Room Games. The creative team up of Dan Phipps and Kelly Lawry, who are supposed to be here tonight, but it was very sad. Oh, they able to no. Be here. Yeah, so they'll hopefully join us remotely, like, very soon. I, I had child illness. Mm. Nothing super serious, but, like, as a, a fellow toddler parent, like, I, like, was like, don't worry. I get it. Also, their dreaded, like, crib to bed transition. Oh, wow. That's, that's hard. That was a rough time. Yeah. So anyway, their work can be found at shop.gemroomgames.com for physical copies or gemroomgames.itch.io for digital copies. And featured this week, the one we're talking about, is going to be High Magic Low Lives. So High Magic Low Lives is a post-dungeon fantasy tabletop RPG about wizard school dropouts who get into trouble with the immortal aristocracy and to make a coin and build their hashtag brand. So yes, it's a mashup of like streamer culture and high magic dungeon crawling fun mm-hmm. yeah fun. like old rpgs this is a game about a crew of weirdos finding subterranean vaults filled with treasure knocking down doors beating up guards setting off traps and taking home as much coin as you can carry like new school rpgs the mechanics are simple drive the story forward and don't rely on a ton of preparation in advance unlike many any rpg you've ever played before you can get paid for live streaming your fight against the jack-o'-lantern queen of Zabraxis. You're oh, com- that old hack? I know. Yeah. Who hasn't streamed that already? Your companions will probably prefer you help them survive the fight, but they'll forgive you when you capture their critical hit for all to see. And you can get that gemroomgames.itch.io. Gemroomgames.itch.io? I'm going there right now. Yeah. So yes. Um, and actually, you can see there's a way back in olden times, 
from Stu's Garage. You can see a one-shot actual play of this game. Oh, no oh cool. From, right. uh, a while ago. Oh, neat. Yeah, so if you go actually see their itch.io page for High Magic Low Lives, there is a little video embedded of us. And not me, personally, but like of the Happy Jacks crew. No. Or my. Yeah. Also, if you wanted a physical copy of the game, you can also go to shop.gemroomgames.com. Mm-hmm. The I.O. addresses for a digital copy. Yeah. So you can get it in whatever form you like, as long as the forms are either digital or physical. Take it however you If you, you want like. it all factory. They yeah, I was like, can I get a smell version of it? Yeah. Mm. You could probably buy cantrip candles that would apply to this game. Oh, we're so good, get we're this good, game yeah. and get a cantrip candle. Free advertisement for company there, but... <laughs> Uh, yes, right. then we'll, we'll work on the audiobook coming out in 2025. Yeah. <laughs> Someday we'll just have like an osmosis game. You just like put it under your pillow and you just like absorb the knowledge. Oh, oh that was a good game. That'd be so good. Yeah. All right. Uh, damn, Excellent. That, that was going to be my game, my Oz game. It's going to be osmosis. <laughs> I mean, that's a very, very funny <laughs> Is that game. really your name? You no, mean? That's, uh, that's no it game. was not, but, but it was right there. Spoilers. Nick is running a Savage World game with Wizard of Ozzy, like inclinations about it coming soon. Oh, whoops. Sorry. You heard it here first. Was I not supposed to say <laughs> I mean, that? no, I oh. don't know. I said it. Okay. No. <laughs> but you could have been talking about a home game. Kimmy decided to put the whole Oh, that's Yeah, true. just that's everything true. out there. Hmm. It was a home game, but now apparently it's being streamed. <laughs> that's what the boss says. Okay, I know I promised we wouldn't talk about this, but Team Banana 71 says, OGL, the olfactory gaming license. <laughs> uh, yeah, Very good. I think that I can legally say that and not be in violation of my, my uh, sure. conflict of yeah. interest. We've decided not to talk about the OGL at all on our show because everyone else is talking about it enough for everyone else. You know, I kind of meant to bring it up on all of the shows just to give people like a glimpse of where they are historically. Like if they're (laughs) listening to this episode (laughs) in 10 years, they can be like, ah, yes, I remember those days. Well, the problem with that is we have to do the show every single day because a different (laughs) development or thing happened. That's true. It's like uh, two a day. Yeah. Do you know what also works just as well is that all the episodes are dated. Yeah, but no one looks at that. Oh, no, I know. I'll be honest. When I listened to the first 20 seasons when I was working in a job mm-hmm. where I needed to fill 8 to 12 hours a day with something, yeah. I didn't pay attention to what the dates were. It was just <laughs> one show after another. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we could be or something. Oh, you were, you were great. I developed all these parasocial relationships that I had to go to therapy to, to take care of. And then we met at Strategic Con and we became real hey! See, that's how it works. So yeah, parasocially listen to all of our shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're go your from, friends, yeah, go personally. From stalker to, to, to friend to co-host. That's right. Quickly. Don't actually do that. Please. Don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. It's the Happy Jacks pipeline. Mm. Mm. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start mailbag one. We're going to get this going. Okay. Letters. Get Hello, all. Richard here, kettle and clock on the Discord. This emailing thing worked so well the first time, I decided to give another shot. By the way, this is not how this is written, but there was a request for a Russian accent. And Much since better. I don't have to be coherent, I'm going to take You'll the opportunity. You'll feel the American capitalists will dance for whatever the people tell you to do. I see. Mine is so rusty. I'm so embarrassed. I used to be like, I, step most, of, most of mine is probably not going to hold up, but I just do... Boris? I just, no, I do from, uh, from Glow. I do... Oh! Voya the Destroyer. Yes. Mine is a pastiche of uh, Boris Badenov. Yeah. Is mainly where mine comes from. I get it, Pasha. Listening to season three, uh, season 31, rather, episode seven, where you discuss mystery stories, got me thinking about the framework that I use to prepare for games. Quick note, a lot of this developed naturally over time, and I only realized it after the fact. So I do not think that I went into GMing, understanding that this is how it would go. Acknowledging that this... I think is an important step in development of new GMs. Okay, Nick, 
I'm going to stop. I just want to finish this one paragraph okay, because otherwise... I love you, but yeah. Yeah. I dived in, broke things, learned hard lessons, and now I have advice to give. Don't think you have to be this methodical in order to start GMing. Also, this is my experience and thoughts, and in no way is indicative of anything close to truth, in quotes, or fact, also in quotes, of gaming slash storytelling. All right. I love indicative. That's a very good word to say with a Russian accent. Mm-hmm. Indicative. Indeed. Indubitably. So, as I grew up, my mother loved mysteries and my father loved Who's science Who's this fiction. now? <laughs> this is Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> we said no more voices, Nick. <laughs> Antsy. Sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Sorry. In the beginning. Sorry. I would never uh, interrupt on this show. No, that never happens. Never. I meant, what I meant more was you might want to start the paragraph over because I caught you off in the middle of a sentence for the paragraph. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. My mother loved mysteries and my father loved science fiction. As such, I developed an unconscious understanding of these two storytelling methods. And having done so now, I generally use a mystery-style story to tell all my fantasy science fiction narratives. What you have to understand, and what is commonly forgotten about in TTRPG advice, is that there's a separation in mystery between reader knowledge and character knowledge that is more defined and important than any other types of fiction. In mystery novels, the reader is given much more information than the character, often seeing the murder happen, then seeing the murderer get away, then watching the murderer stumble or overcompensate. Doing this means that the reader, who is a regular person without any crime-fighting experience, can remain aware of what is happening, while the character, who is a crime-fighting ultra-detective superhero, can make massive leaps in logic and use seemingly unconnected clues to explain to their assistant or the police, etc., how everything is connected. In this way, the reader never feels dumb by being left behind by the narrative, and the character can seem hyper-competent by making connections that ordinary people will never make. I want everyone to know that I stifled a burp there, because that was definitely strange to come out during that whole paragraph. <laughs> and I only include that because this is Happy Jackson. there's a proud tradition of burp yeah, belching into the mic. Absolutely. Sorry, Canada. Yeah. Well, no, Canada's happy because I didn't. Mm. That's right, yeah. You're welcome, Canada. You're welcome. I leverage this in my TTRPGs by providing little vignettes to my players at the start of each session. Well not every session. That helped me bring them up to speed on what I've been planning and to signpost the direction they should head in order to get there. Previously on this game! (laughs) (laughs) Because no one took notes. (laughs) (laughs) Who would like to do it for a Benny? Mm. Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) (laughs) I like to use this in a very similar way to the way that Adam, I think it was Adam, Described having a rough plan of what has been. taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then doing a little bit of prep into cool things that could happen, and then letting the players take that into unexpected directions. It all comes back to advice that I've heard in a few places. It doesn't exist until it hits the table. This is usually held up as a way to curb the, quote, player with too much backstory problem, end quote. But I find it useful to also curb the, quote, GM with too much world-building, end quote, problem. Even if your world-building is huge, expansive, and interesting, the players don't know about it until you put it directly in front of them. I don't know if there was a question here for y'all. Maybe that's good enough a jumping-off point to inspire some tangential conversation. If not, then consider this. What do you do to help your players get what they're going for? How do you bait the hook? Thanks again for making a great show. I really enjoy listening to y'all talk. I have now started listening to some of the actual plays, and they're real good. More people should listen to them. 
I guarantee you, I did not just insert that myself. That is legitimately in this email. It does not say it in this email. <laughs> it not. It's not my copy. Yeah, yeah. But, but Nick, you you inserted the surprise voice. Oh, with... they're actually good. <laughs> Intimated it. They're actually good. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Emotion into our. I see how it is. No, I don't just want to be a flat monotone. They're very good. You should be honest. <laughs> Robiance. By the way, when you get to the end of this email, you're going to realize you made the wrong choice in accents. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. From the border of Gurnai, Kurnai, and Bunarong countries, southeastern Australia. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I could have been Whoa. doing this whole my bad Australian accent rather than my bad Russian accent. That's not a mystery. <laughs> now that's a mystery. From Richard. Good night, Richard. Oh. Good night, Richard. P.S. If you're a player and you see your GM trying to hook you in, be a good player and bite. P.P.S. If you're interested in pets and TTRPGs, I'm working on a thing. Message me on Discord. We're going to have to guess what that (laughs) Discord name is. I believe it's Kettle and Clock on the Discord, as it was said in the first paragraph. Someone who I'm not taking taking notes. notes. This is an open book quiz. Oh, shite. All right. Well, uh, here we are. So let's start with the actual question, then we will jump around and make up our own things. I think talking about the first part that they were talking about with the mystery games, like the reader knowledge versus like the character knowledge. Fine. Be chronological. I know. Well, to be fair to Kimmy, even Richard tossed that in. Like, I guess if you need a question, let's do this. So there's not even a lot of enthusiasm for the question from the author of the question. So, so if you needed one, yeah. here's yeah. one for you. It is yeah. a good question, though. Let's uh, start with the afterthought. Yes. Well, but, it's like a mystery. We're starting with the afterthought, and then we're going to go yeah. back and Move find on, out how we got yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good observation about, like, fictional novels. Mm-hmm. But that's such a hard thing to balance with RPGs, because there's a ton that the players know that their characters don't. And a lot of players, like, for the most part, I always assume that people are trying to do their best not to be dicks and metagame too much. Mm-hmm. And also some metagaming super fun. So, like, you can lean into it. But, like, it, it's a harder thing to do than when you're reading something and a, reading about a character who doesn't know something and actually playing one. So I think that's, I don't know, but there's a difference there. It, yeah. It's how you're consuming it. Because reading is a passive experience. RPGs are an active experience. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting here watching the GM play with themselves, that's it's uncomfortable. I'm like, that engine. There's so many ways that's into that's the true. horror story category. And we've agreed <laughs> that there's no more non GM, non game related horror stories on the oh. show. <laughs> you're treading the line here, buddy. It's also a thing about when you're reading a, a mystery novel, mm-hmm. the author of the book is writing both the mystery and the detective solving the mystery. So the author can put the clues wherever they want and know the detective will pick up the clues where they want them to because they're having to do it. Whereas as someone who I've never, I've never like run a pure, like an actual like murder mystery style story, but I have run a lot of Doctor Who RPG because I GM Mm -hmm. for Doctor Who RPG podcast. I think I mentioned this last time on the show where one of the hardest things I both played the doctor and now I run as a GM. And one of the hardest things to do is to convey the, because in the show Doctor Who, like, the Doctor is really, really smart and figures a lot of stuff out because the show was written for the Doctor to be really, really smart and figure stuff out. <laughs> yeah. When you're playing as the player, you have to act like you're able to figure stuff out even when you have no idea what's happening. And as the GM, you have to be able to support that player so that it sounds like that player is being really smart and figuring stuff out as the Doctor would do. And I think that's where like 
it can be a little tough, like you're saying about the active versus passive. Yeah. We're talking about a person playing a character who did not write the mystery. Mm -hmm. I always go to the, you have this information, your, your deductive skills gives you this baseline, and then you rolled this or achieved this goal, and you get this extra bit, this extra layer. And how you want to present that to the table is up to you. So doing a kind of vignette and everyone watches it, it feels like, oh, well, that's taken away my little special thing where I can yeah. do this clue-findy thing and, and give more info. Isn't that how uh, Gumshoe does it, where there's a certain baseline amount of information you're going to get? But if you have certain skills, you might get additional information? Yes, and I love Gumshoe and Gumshoe of Cthulhu, I forget what it's called, it's Trail of Cthulhu. That's their whole thing, is that don't hide your, your clues where they can't find them. Give them the clues and then give them extra details on top of that. So One thing that I've experimented with and has actually been a huge success, at least in my opinion, my humble opinion, for One Ring is asking the players to give details. So there was trying to like, I don't, it's brand new. It just got released yesterday. So I don't want to like give too much information. Spoilers. But, you know, spoilers. So they're in this interesting place. And Watch. <laughs> gosh, all the info. Middle Earth? Yeah. <laughs> God, Nick, I have a Sorry, outer zones. <laughs> Sorry, but it's okay. Um, like I was beginning trying, Earth. Yes, <laughs> not 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 Middle Earth. We're not there yet. But I was trying to give them. They knew they were going to face something the next day, and I wanted them to have dreams about it. So I asked them. I'm like, okay, and I gave them like sort of parameters. Like this is the character you see in your dream. They tell you something that makes you feel better and makes you be ready to be to face the next day's challenge. What happened in your dream? So they'd say it, and I'm like, okay, great. The only, I'm going to like riff on that a little bit. This is the small thing that changed. So you could actually set something up where you, it's like describe, like open up with a description of like the murder scene, sort of like a, like you would in a TV show where they are passive kind of observers. And then when they get on the scene as actual characters say, okay, you notice something. What do you notice about the floor? And then like, whatever they say, it's really easy then to tie it in mm. To because you already know what like you already know. Hopefully, maybe you don't. That's okay too. If you don't, even better. You then <laughs> you get to let them create. Yeah, the mystery. exactly. <laughs> so and then they like give you a little bit, and you just tie it in. I'm I'm just blades in the dark. You're familiar with it, right? Yes. And you know how the whole high system works, where you don't actually plan anything out. You spend stress to make things happen. That would kind of be amazing for a mystery game, where you're like, mm -hmm. I'm coming in here to solve this mystery oh, what happened in this mystery? And then you spend stress to be like, oh, there's blood on the floor. Great. And then you're, whose blood is it? And you're building it off of that where the characters make the mystery for you. Yeah. I want this now. Yes. That's really interesting. <laughs> My very first con game, I ran that way, sort of by accident. But it was, and I've told the story. If you've heard the story, I'm sorry. But it was a Wild Talents game where it was superpowers and it popped up and that's what caused the Salem Witch Trials is like, People started getting superpowers, and Puritans fucking freaked the fuck out. Um, what? what? So there was one, you know, religious was... extremists having unhinged responses yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, they're very rational people. You're very rational. But... I think you're saying it like it wasn't literally a thing that happened exactly the way it's described <laughs> no, in history. I, know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find my entertainment somewhere, yeah. right? What? The Salem Witch Trials happened exactly how the Witch Trials actually happened, except for there was actually supernatural power Look, happening. You could laugh or you could cry. Yeah. Honestly, that, I will say this, this is my little side note. I get frustrated by pop culture depictions like Adam's Family or, or Wednesday, or even with WandaVision, where 
They're like, oh, there actually were witches in Salem because then it makes it actually seem like the Puritans who murdered people from being were, witches were, kind of were right. a little bit right. Yeah. And it's like, maybe that's not the best depiction you could be doing here of being like, ah, they actually turned out they were killing a lot of real witches. Yeah, they found like, them and took not that you should be killing witches. That's also a bad thing. Yes. But they make it seem like, oh no, there actually was a reason for them to be frightened and scared and not that it was asshole neighbors turning on right. each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But for that particular game, like I wasn't, quite sure who is going to be the like the big bad at the end. So as they went through, like they are kind of the ones and they didn't know it at the time. They were like, oh, it's amazing how you wove all that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like there was like any there's like three possibilities also because I was based on history. So it's like, so are all big assholes. Pick, pick your flavor of asshole that you want to be the big responsible person. But as they added stuff to the story and as they discovered things as they went through the adventure, like it eventually pointed to one of the people. So it's actually really easy to do mysteries that but not, I wouldn't say really easy, but it's easier than you would assume. Yeah. So more to the question, how do we bait the hook? How do we get them to go where we want them to? Like it's, yeah, it's totally an open playground. There's no rails here. Well, I think that what Kimmy is saying is if you run it that way, you don't have to bait the hook. Wherever they go, that's where the hook was. They all yeah. were asked So to they get with. to, well, yeah, but they get to decide what parts they think are important or are related to the case and describe exactly what they were. And so they're baiting their own hook. They've got a carrot on a stick that's hanging in front of their own heads. You don't even have to do anything. They have, there's a hook that they walk up and put their own bait on. And they yeah. go, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so put this bait here. Yeah. Delicious. I yeah. am going to push back that, that you don't have to do anything. There's a lot of work involved. Oh, I didn't. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 apologize. I didn't mean you don't have to do anything because you do have to go like, Fuck, how do those footsteps... Here are all these, these footsteps and this cake. Yeah. Those somehow have to point to some person. Break yeah. these but, together. And you have to have some improv skills there, too, because you yes. have to be able to take what they're doing and work it in without being like, okay, yeah, there's the footsteps. And then like trying to figure out what that means. Like, you yeah. have to yeah. be able to go, okay, there's footsteps. I have a guy with boots. Cool. Now I know that that's where the footsteps came from. Like, you have to make sure that works. So, which, that's a lot of what I do Doctor Who. It's a lot of like, yeah. okay, whatever they're following is... I know these basic ingredients and whatever path they take is how I'm going to get to that ingredient. So. But overall, I think that that's probably easier and less frustrating than, okay, I know that the killer is Bill from accounting. How do I let them know without being obvious that it's Bill from accounting? Which is, to me, the most frustrating part about running mysteries most of the time is you know all the answers and it's either 100% clear to you and you don't get why they don't figure it out mm-hmm. or it's completely opaque and you don't know how to even get them the clues that they need to solve this problem. And you get frustrated when they're like, oh, it must have been the cleaning man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then I think it can be lower improv than people expect. Because, for example, if you ask leading questions, take it from a fourth grade teacher, like people get there's a very small number of answers you're going to get. Yeah. If you sit ahead of time and you're like, okay, this is what my crime scene looks like. Write a couple of things that are on the floor, write some things that are on the window, write some things that you notice about the door, write something about something else, the picture. And then if you looked at, okay, you're walking through the, what do you notice about the floor? It's probably going to be like footprints or blood or scratches or drag marks or something like that. Mm-hmm. So if you've already planned some things that clues that are have to do with the floor, it's very easy to then tie in. Oh, I see a, a boot prints. Okay. You notice that there's, a really large size. So it's really easy to take what they give you and just very slightly tweak it to fit what you've already planned without really using a lot of improv skills. Yeah. Like one of the things I've done whenever I've had to write a mystery for players is I will have my 
this person is it. And then I'll have my secondary, this person could also be it. And write out my clues so that they align with this person the most, this person the second most, and then a minimal amount going down. So anyone who does any deductive skills, oh, they have no feet. They fly everywhere. So <laughs> that obviously isn't them. They only wear high heels. Well, it's obviously not them. They have big boot uh, prints. And it slowly points towards where you want them to go. And I just thought I was super clever in your games. You are mysteries. super clever in my no, games. No, that's okay. It's yeah. okay. The mystery is yeah. gone. That's fine. I was, this is another group. This is with Steve. It's, it's for Steve's uh, game. Wait, you're playing games and you're not inviting me? That's fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to. They're, I have to dumb it down for them. You're, you're too smart for those. I have to like. Really? <laughs> yes. Yes, um, and <laughs> I do think, especially for mysteries, though, you have to hook them at the beginning. Yeah, there are some games where you can kind of have like a slow ramp up, where it's like, okay, you are a farmer and you're wandering around. But I feel like most games need something, especially mystery games, where they know it's going to be maybe low stake, not low stakes, but like low adventure. Like they're not going to be in a lot of danger for the most of it. For most of it, because even like noir adventures, it's like okay, a lot of wandering around crime scenes. Oh. You get shot at by someone in a dark alley. Okay, now back to finding clues. Yeah. And usually, especially in noir, it's usually a lot more fisticuffs than it is shooting people. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um, you do have that shadowy figure who pulls out a gun, yeah. shoots at you, and then runs away, and you hear high heels. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, see, that's another thing on the floor. They're, they're high heels, not mm-hmm. boots. So um, it's not just the person who has no feet and fly away. Mm-hmm. Maybe the heels person. Unless, unless they're flying low enough, they're just doing that with their hands. Yeah. And they fly away to throw everyone off. Some coconuts? Can't be me. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I think that the hook also, a really good way to get the hook baited is to have action happen while the players are present. Like, you can't always do it that way, but I think, like, I mean, talk about murder mysteries, often TV show murder mysteries, how, like, a murder she wrote vibe, like, you're already at this party and then a murder happens in another room or you hear a scream and now you're in the action. Mm -hmm. And if you're running, depending on what your adventure is or what your setting is, Something that triggers the murder should be happening. That way, it's immediate, it's present. Or otherwise, if you're playing characters who are detectives that are being hired to come to a case, hopefully the players will even, if you're not making it immediate, hopefully your players who are playing a detective story aren't going to show up their detective characters and be like, nah, I don't feel like solving this mystery today. <laughs> like, you imagine if the beginning of like a Knives Out movie, Benoit Blanc is like, no, I want to go on vacation. <laughs> like, it wouldn't happen. I want to go have a soak. Yeah. My, my tub is calling me. This one's too easy for me to do. I love him. Um, just done. <laughs> <laughs> There's a level of excitement and enthusiasm that you get, though, from yeah. players if you like have that exciting moment totally. at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it definitely does serve a purpose, even if they are all creating characters that are going to have buy-in anyway. Yeah, it's that's just, what I was saying. The event yeah. happening, it just, it just raises the stakes it's so immediately. Fun, yeah. too. It's like turning up the volume on a really good song. It's like, okay, the song is good either way, but like, just like, oh, you're in your car and you're just like, crank it up there, boom. Like, it's just, I don't know. I love it. Well, one thing you could do if you want to bait the hook, especially if it's a mystery, incriminate your players. Yeah. Whatever you find, they also happen to have ties to that thing. Very and important. if they don't clear their name, they're the ones going to jail. Bum, bum, bum. That's cool, too, because it gives them like a timer. Mm-hmm. And that's Timers it. That, yeah. Now you're back to Blaze in the Dark with clocks. Oh. Uh, actually, that's a apocalypse world. 
Nathaniel, no, sorry. Mistake. I'll stop. It is. is it really? Are there no, clocks in Apocalypse World? Yeah, oh yeah. That's totally an Apocalypse World thing. The, I'll really? be honest, I've never actually played Apocalypse World. I've only played yeah, powered a, by the a, Apocalypse. A games. lot of original PBTA games like have the clocks mechanism with like the timers. I don't like them, so I've never um, I've played with them like I've never played actual Pockets World, and I don't think I've ever played a PPA game that has the clock in it. So yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot it, of people leave them out. Mostly we kind of does because if you don't do things, the monsters kill everybody. But, yeah. Yeah. So, but like the actual like round. Also, they just like it took me a really long time for my brain to wrap around like the round clock thing. I was just mm-hmm. like, this is very, I don't know, it's just a, a mechanic that I was like. My brain doesn't work quite like that. It's just because you were raised as a digital kid. Yeah. Can't stand it analog. <laughs> okay. Stuff. What do those hands mean? Every year, every year, I have to teach my nine-year-old students how to read clocks because they're like, Miss Bell or Miss Hughes, what time is it? And it's like, um, yeah, you have to keep working on that. Like, here's the first week lesson. This is how you read mm-hmm. the face of a regular clock. And they're like, oh, okay. Can and you get They'll never need no. it again once they're out of school. Yeah. It's fine. Sorry, that's my pet peeve every at the beginning of every year. I, we're going to have a generation quick. of people eventually who don't know what clockwise and counterclockwise mean. Because I know, and everyone's going to be like, what do you mean? What do you? Why do they always say that he's on your six? I have to teach them that. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to put up a face clock in here just to spite all of you. I, we'll yeah. I, yeah. I also we're teach old enough that we'll know how to read it. Yeah, right. <laughs> like it's not, it's not a, uh, the cursive yeah. is a problem for me. But, <laughs> I, never, I was never good at writing in cursive when I had when I like was younger. I want to tell just a quick story. It's not RPG related, but it is uh, incriminating That's towards fine. me. I just started I talking about clocks in, and cursive. You're fine. No, it's about clocks. A clock. related it's about RPG. Clock. Okay. Yeah. We're going. We don't need clocks. <laughs> so for a very, 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 very long time, I did not get any sort of a mobile phone. And then when I did get a mobile phone, I did not get a smartphone for a very, 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 very long time. But when I did, I kind of fell into it a lot. And I was using it all the time, but I was almost always using it as a clock, as a watch or something something of that nature because I stopped wearing watches because... Stop watches. <laughs> stop watches, those too. Because people always asked me, didn't matter, 50 people, I was the one they would ask. And I got really tired of that. So I was using the phone all the time as a clock to learn the time. And someone came in and they were saying that they needed a phone. And I was like, there's a phone right here. And they said, what do you mean? I'm like, there's a phone right there on the wall because my brain had wired clock (laughs) and phone into one thing. (laughs) And they were asking for an actual honest to God phone. But my brain went, yeah, it's right there. That's amazing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's oh. the exact reverse, too, of Dick Tracy, where it's a clock that's also a phone, <laughs> a watch that's also a radio. Oh, man. Oh, that's things, so funny. Those things seem so amazing. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine in their head what they thought happened was you went to one of those schools that had the call button for the office mm-hmm. right below the clock, and so they assumed that you always thought the clock and the call button were the same. <laughs> All right. So let's um, go around. Yeah, okay. A little bit of a high-pressure question. We're each going to share one of our favorite hooks that we did for a game we ran. Or it could be a game you were in, too. Like, all right, I'll go first because I actually said this because I was... Because you have one? (laughs) You wanted to show us all up. I get how it is. No, no, no. Well, my con games, especially for con games, it's really important to have the hook at the beginning, especially because they're usually strangers. And one of my favorite ones was I was running... It was a Wild Talents game also. And I had these folders out on the table and it was like a Skyrim game. Oh, this is going to be fun. See, they look up in a cart and someone's like, oh, you're awake now. Well, usually for con games, they don't let people look. She actually characters. knocked them all out. I knocked first. them all out first. That, wow. that was the hook. Yeah. Drug them. Yeah. I became a LARP. 
But I had these folders out on the table, and I, I don't usually let people look at the character sheets when they, there's like a symbol. It's like, oh, okay, this is going to be the fire magic. This is going to be... They opened it, them. and they were all dragons. So they were actually like a clutch of dragons who all got to be a family of dragons together. So they were playing oh. Skyrim, but they were the dragons in Skyrim. So that was nice. immediately... But like 100% buy-in. They were all super excited because I'd done like the special like outline. Like Wild Talents has a little like the figure outline and you hit the do the hit points. There was all little dragons and they each had their big dragon name. With I made my husband do a bunch of graphics that made it look all cool. So Nice. <laughs> cool. It was very fun. It would have been great if you were like, you have to keep it. You're a dragon secret from all the other players. <laughs> all oh, that would be so great. Oh man, that was the con though. They like walked around literally for three days going like, dragon brother! Like they decided... They were like teenage mutant ninja silly dragons. dragons. Yeah. And it. all con. That was like you'd be across the room and you'd hear Dragon Brother. Like a call, it was like <laughs> call and response. It was it was oh, funny. That's so great. One of my favorite ones. And I, I talked about it last time I was on the show, I think, regards to the well, it's disqualified. Okay. No, it's fine. I told that I, <laughs> I was about to say, like, if that was yeah, but it but it's Kimmy's show. So she's allowed to break the rules. I'm allowed to tell it's the true. same story over and over again for 10 years. It's fine. Well, actually, it's applicable because of this story. Oh, okay. Uh in regards to the Thessal Hydra. Mm-hmm. Those of you that know, know that it's about memories getting erased and what have you. And how I opened up this game was that I had a the players receive a letter addressed to them from somebody that they did not know beseeching them for help and they had like intimate details of their their life mm. and they're like i have to find out more about this person because they know me obviously yeah. and then when you get they get to the house they see pictures of them together they're like i have no memory of this that's wild that'd be so weird mm-hmm. like that's one of the things when i see it in like a game or on a movie or tv it's just like the strangest thing yeah it's like an existential dread kind of thing yeah yep that's- what's yours nick i don't have one. Oh, good Okay. Oh, come on. I don't, I don't. I don't run a lot of games. And when I do, I don't tend to be clever like that in a way that hooks people immediately. Because my brain normally thinks of like twists at the end, not, mm-hmm. not a hook at the beginning. So, for example, on that, one of the things that I always wanted to do with someone with a bunch of people was to run a Deadlands game mm-hmm. because I love that world and then have the reveal at the end that they were, as they keep encountering these things that they can't kill and they can't affect and they can't do all the stuff. At the end, reveal that they were actually the hosts in Westworld. Ah, that's cool. But I've never run that because I always thought people would be pissed off at the end when they were like, like halfway through the game, you get super frustrated when you can't kill any of the things that are after you. So I think it would work well as like a tension building game. Yeah. I just never got there. Yeah. That's a cool idea, though. Even if you didn't want to do it as like the big reveal at the end of the game. Oh, by the way, anyone here, don't go to OrkCon (laughs) because... Don't play in my game. You won't enjoy it. <laughs> or they will. Maybe they love it. I know. Well, I'm not doing that anyway. But. I know. Well, it's just you could make it a way, a thing like, instead of being in the entire game, they can't hurt anything, they get frustrated. It could be a thing like, they, that becomes the mystery. Why can't we hurt things? And then part of the game can become like, how do we become ways? Because like in Westworld, how do we start to hurt things? Like, how yeah, does it happen? Actually, that's yeah. true. Yeah. You just need to get your Brenner and get him shot in the head. The <laughs> robot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like, they realize that they can't get hurt. Like, partway through, that would also be an interesting thing. Well, but they can't. I mean, the hosts could get hurt. Yeah, but then they, like, are, like, regenerated with, like, no memory of it. So, like, they keep popping back up with, like, oh, you don't have any memory of that? What happened to you yesterday? Well, if you okay. killed one player and then had them come back, that would be kind of cool. To and, be like, you have no memory of what happened. Like, if the other host noticed somebody show up and they don't know what, yeah. I'd have to get a ringer. You want to be yeah. my ringer? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just on the verge of it. Yeah. So close. You have one character who has vague memories of, of living mm-hmm. in a life with a daughter somewhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah. 
Amazing. Riley. Ah, I was hoping I'd get past it. <laughs> I, I think crime. along with what Jameson said earlier about accusing somebody of committing a crime as a way of like getting them to invest in the mystery, I had to solve clear my own name. I think also getting them trapped in a location until the mystery is solved is a good way to do it because then they won't be able to leave. So they're going to like start to go, well, I don't want to stay here forever. So mm-hmm. let's figure it out. And I think I, again, most of my mystery stories I've run have been Doctor Who stories. Sorry. But like in classic Who, a lot of times like they couldn't get back to the TARDIS until the story was solved. And so they were stuck wherever they were. And I ran a game earlier this year that was part of our most recent season of Doctor Who, of Game of Rassilon, where I had separated the Doctor from the Companions for an episode, did a Doctor Light one in the Companion Light episode. And the Companions suddenly just were taken off the TARDIS and they suddenly were on a starship somewhere and they didn't know why they were there. And they were like, they were put in this like luxury cabin on this starship and there were like outfits laid out for them that were like exactly their taste. And then there was someone like, we're going to dinner now. So then their whole, that made them really hooked to be like, why are we here? Mm -hmm. How did we get here? What is going on here? Mm -hmm. Because they have no idea. Like there's no explanation as to how they got there or why. And so unless they want to spend the entire game hanging out in a hotel room, which like definitely would be fun for other reasons, (laughs) but it made them go, well, we have to figure this out or else there's nothing to do. Right. So. That's awesome. That's a really good, it's a really good hook. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. I I'll like tell it. you off mic what the reveal was. Yep. So okay. it was here. Cool. On. There, there was, <laughs> was a Daleks. No. no. Oh, okay. Like I'm answering it for you. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I have no. yet to run. I've only run a season. I played the doctor for three years. I've GM for one year. I've yet to run a Dalek story. I was going to run a Dalek good. story for this year's. We do, a, we, we do a Doctor Who Day special. Mm-hmm. And I decided to do Cybermen because I liked, I wanted to call it Cyber Monday. Oh, oh nice. That's, that's very good. excellent. Yeah. Because the, the problem with the Daleks is that they inundate. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a thing that I've always wanted to run at the, as a hook that I always thought was really cool. And this is not my idea. I'm not stealing this. I don't remember where it was, but I've seen it on the internet a bunch of times. And it's the game where nobody knows who or what yeah. they are until they, music, until they yeah. do things. Yeah. Yep. Like, I would love something like that where mm-hmm. the example they have in, in that game was the bartender seems really weird and scared of you because dragonborn are are plentiful in this area. And they go, oh, oh, I'm a dragonborn. Oh, okay. And they write that down or they don't know what their abilities are. I always thought that would be a super cool game to run or to play in. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. really fun. Maybe do it. I did that for a Star Wars game I ran at a con. Because for cons, I always have some weird thing to start with. And it turned out that they were all droids. And they didn't know that. That like when they first started, they I like like it doesn't say anything on the like I left the names blank on their character sheet, um, so they were playing through the first scene, and I specifically was like, okay, like ready go. And they like okay, they knew that the character would know who they were, but they didn't quite know. And then it was like they they were on a starship, and there were all these dead Bothans, and they were like, wait, why aren't we dead? And they started figuring it out, and they're like, oh wait, we're droids, and many Bothans had died. Oh no, to get the plans and. Blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it really <laughs> bought them in, like as they were trying to figure out who they were. And then they get to come up with their droid names. And they Many Bothans have died for this plot hook. Yes. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> All right. Very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mailbag number two. I can do this one. Okay. Hey, Happy Jack crew. My name is Emily, and I have been playing tabletop RPGs for many years now. I backed my way into playing more complex board games via the TTRPG space. And now I like them both. My wife is a big board game fan, but she has never tried a TTRPG. I would love to share the hobby with her, especially as we have a new baby, but she is reticent. What are some good games you found to get 
board game players into TTRPGs. And I feel like I see a lot of board game players who just aren't interested in TTRPGs, but rarely the reverse of the scenario. A TTRPG player who's uninterested in board games. Why do you think that might happen? <laughs> Without besmirching either side of our lovely, feisty, a lively, feisty, lovely tabletop community, I have too many games in my closet. We all do. Yes. Wait a minute. I have to start. I understand this you, you pointed too out many games. What? You pointed out that you were a TTRPG player who does not like board games. I did. That is categorically a lie. How do you say? How do? You, how many games oh, do I bring out? You got called out. I don't know whether you bring them out, but okay. how many games do you have in your house? I have a lot because I collect things, and it's to fill an emotional hole. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't realize this was a therapy session tonight. Uh, I think that I sit in the middle of this because I love board games. Mm -hmm. I love TTRPGs. I find myself not often wanting to play crunchier board games because I get to a mindset of like, well, if I'm going to learn these really complicated rules to play Mm. this game, I'd better be playing an RPG that can go on for a little while because I do. I spent years with friends playing the Battlestar Galactica board game and I loved it. But like, I don't know if I have it in me to learn yet another game as complicated as that and like master it to play it. But like, also, like, I it's hard for me when every time someone pulls a different game. I'll say we'll say this, too. With my ADHD, it is very, very hard for me to sit and have somebody explain instructions to me. I have to learn a game by playing it. Okay. And I think that that frustrates everybody at the table because the person who wants to run the game doesn't want to have me learn as we go. And some games you can't learn as you go. Right. And by the time we finish playing it, everyone's frustrated. Then we never play it again. And so it isn't, it's not great. Whereas like a TTRPG, I feel like, okay, I've figured this game out and now next session we'll be able to do more with what we've already learned and build from there. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But like, I know that you have... <laughs> Sorry. I'm a bulldog right now. I got to get this point. Come on. What you... if I said to you, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. Well, I know you've seen it because you and Dick, we and Dick watched it last time when we made the joke about the guy making burnt chocolate oil in the city century. <laughs> Bring it. Let's do it. Let's talk. You've asked to play that, that alien game that our friends have. Which alien game? The one that is alien with the serial number. Now, you see, Nick can be what what Nick has done is brought back an actual anecdotal bit of evidence from their real I did not know of it. They had it and they were like, hey, let's play this. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're playing the simple version. Yes. And he's like, good. That's the one we're going to do. And then eventually we're going to play the more complex one. We've never played the more complex version of that game, have we? That's Ooh. mainly because I back out of it. Exactly. Oh, James brought up a to. good point. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's, it's, it's a bit of a deflection <laughs> onto Nick. And hmm. I've seen that you've owned the the, so, the Nick, Star Nick is Wars. Using hand just now to really. Throw <laughs> I, I do own it, but how often have I played it? Oh, that's. But you've asked about it several times. I you wanted to play it. You've made a point of it, and it you even like James even went ahead system, which is what's being used for the clones. You even went ahead and started to plan it with our friends to play that. Oh, but did we play it, Because you know, if I plan something, it gets done. How many campaigns have I run? How many games have I run? How many campaigns have you not run? And don't, that's don't, lot, don't that, make, that's, me, that's bring, not don't make me bring receipts here. Because okay. I've, well, I've got lots of stuff going on. So what well, I'm saying is... Do you remember earlier like, how many like, board hey, games have I played versus how many, how many board games have I set up to play versus how many campaigns have I set up to play? <laughs> so it's rare that you see such volleys on podcasts nowadays. <laughs> it's just... I'm saying that I, I enjoy simple games. I don't like to learn, as Riley pointed out, learning a new system. Easy to do if I'm going to... You know, doing tabletop RPG. You just took Jaws of the Lion in the hopes of wanting to play to get to get my fiance into wanting to play Gloomhaven. I want to get her to play something with me. We have like so many games, but I would like to have hung out with you guys, which is the real reason I wanted to play that, because I feel left out. 
Oh, oh wow, this just got oh, yeah. <laughs> the real personal revelation. I was like, oh, you guys yeah. got the Frost Haven? Uh, that sounds fun. Is that something I should well, get do? You want to come over on Tuesday nights and play? I would like to. Oh. But we're already doing Deadlands on Tuesday. Oh. So, okay, I'm sorry. Do you want to come over on Sundays and play? Maybe every other weekend. Steve, okay. Right, so. exactly. So it's a personal issue. I'm going to end it at like the scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, we'll have that uh, bit like half right? our show. Like, is just them pulling their yeah. <laughs> organizers out. Yeah, golf clap for that amazing back and forth there. We appreciate okay. it. And I appreciate the commentary. It was very fun and very, very hard to stay on topic about arguing when we're being talked about like David Attenborough's in the room. What Nick is doing now is complimenting the commentators. It's a very powerful it's statement. So with the statements. <laughs> Thank you. I would like to say... I'd rather Nick the winner of the argument because he's a fair complimentary to the judges, which is good for him. There's no rule against it. Tune into the new Happy Jack show. Riley and Kimmy comment on things. That would be so fun. I'd watch that. I would, you and I do a color comment on RPGs. That'd be so fun. Other people's actual plays? Yeah, oh. man. I feel like we could get sued for that, but it'd be... No, people, people on the channel. Like, oh, we yeah, wouldn't yeah. be like just yeah. random. We wouldn't like do like... <laughs> Pull random people were like, 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 have a show. Yeah. And ha- okay, I gotta stop talking about ideas that I want to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold on, giving them away. What I do want to say, actually, in relation to the actual email here. Oh yeah. Is the way that me and my friends it's often play. <laughs> Rip Jacks. No, that's a great name. Team Banana Seventy One nailed the, it. The chat uh, team Banana has submitted Rip Jacks. It's amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. very good. That's what we need. Oh, is another thing for to me to do. Old. Actual plays uh, and do commentary on them. Oh my god! I it's a never-ending stream. Oh my god! That. Oh my god! If we watched Hexbreakers, it would be me yelling to myself to shut up. <laughs> the whole commentary would be like, "Riley, stop talking." Everyone loves that one. So many people have <laughs> commented. How much I talked in the Discord. They're just like, "That's the one like makes everybody cry." They love Hexbreakers. Aww. So we're saying that. Yeah. yeah, Emily, they're crying for Riley to stop talking. No, it's oh, Riley. Just give it. It's going to turn to therapy. Yeah. Emily, what I wanted to say is what I find works for my group is that we don't take really any of the board games that we play terribly seriously. And we are, in fact, role playing through them anyway, because it amuses us to do so. And sometimes even something in a game that doesn't have any role play ability of it, making it RP actually can be a super kind of fun and kind of get people. I don't know for sure, because all my friends are also our peers. Well, anyway. Sorry, personal news here. But it gets people interested in doing that if you can kind of craft a story. Like even something like Catan, which doesn't really have a story other than building things, you can kind of create your own character of what your village considers important and address things like that and kind of ease someone into wanting to wanting to do RPG stuff. Yeah, I would suggest, I ran into the, that's excellent strategy. I ran into that almost by accident when I was playtesting Decima. And I found that card-based What's games... That? What? It's not important. But like for the queen... Decima is the <laughs> uh, R&D for your RPG. Oh, cool. oh thank you. that's a great tagline. Mm-hmm. Build games. <laughs> <laughs> but like Quiet Year, For the Queen, Decima, things like that that are idea-based, like you're giving ideas but not necessarily having to act things out is a great first step because it's very structured. It has a mechanic that a lot of board game players are used to, which is cards. And it it's kind of that first step going into, okay, you are creating something as you play this game. I would literally, anybody I knew, like everybody I've ever met has probably played Decum at some point, including a bunch of my friends who are like, what's an RPG? Okay, you come and the thing. So, and a lot of them actually started getting into role-playing games because they were like, hey, this is pretty cool. And 
Jason's partner, Wendy, is one of my very good friends. She does not like RPGs at all. But she actually enjoys playing Decima because it's kind of like that middle ground area. And she doesn't feel pressured to act stuff out because that's not in her nature, but she's able to give ideas, which she really enjoys. I think you brought up a, a good one. I think For the Queen is great for that. There are a couple of things that are... What's the one with the... You're a psychic trying to prove... Trying to do the dreams? Mysterium? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because even though there's no RPG mechanic, it's hard to take a look at that funny character that you are and not want to do a voice or talk about how the spirits came to you. Yeah. I think that that's a nice kind of leader in. Mm -hmm. I think games like the Cthulhu games, like Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror and things like that, that make you play as a character, even though it's based on a card, mm-hmm. I think that can get people in the habit of like, oh, I am this character. These are my stats. I yeah. do these things. And you might get people into role-playing that way. Being like, hey, remember how much fun it was to like play that character? Like, what if we did that for longer and less, both more and less structured at the same time? Like, yeah. Another shout out to a game called Companion's Tale, which is fantastic and just blew my mind. Tomes ran it for me. He's been around. If you go to Strategicon, he runs the Games on Demand. And it just blew my mind. It was the first, like, we kind of played PBTA and stuff here, but it was the first, like, real super indie game I'd played. And it's like, there's like a full box set. It's a very strange amalgamation of a board game and an RPG. And it's incredible. And you play the companions of, like, this heroic figure. And it's sort of like for the queen. And it has, like, a mapping component, which very much inspired Decima. And it's a really great kind of midpoint game. And I highly recommend it. I adore it. And I have it. And I've never actually opened it to play it. And I should. I bought For the Queen and I left it in the apartment of my ex in Ohio by accident. And so I need to get it again. And I'm like sad that I don't have it. But if you think about it, you've become an ambassador for someone who found it and was like, oh, what's this? Oh, I almost so guarantee you she was like, oh, this is one of Rally's things and probably gave it away. I threw it out after I was someone else. Gave, gave it, it out to somebody yeah. into yeah. the universe. I, hopefully. Yeah. I hope someone found it in the trash can to threw it in. Mm-hmm. I actually have <laughs> three games to go from the other direction from your board game person to get them into role playing games. Mm. Icarus. Icarus is a game where you stack dice and you get kind of prompt yeah. cards to come up with the story of the civilization that you're creating. And then when the dice fall, you then have to tell the fall of that that civilization. Oh, that's cool. Everyone has like their own objectives and things they're trying to do. Some people are in this so that when the fall happens, they can start earning points or winning, whereas the other people are trying to make the world the best place they can. What's the what's the horror RPG that uses uh, Jenga as the Oh Dread. 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 Just trick them into playing Dread by making them think they're playing Jenga. (laughs) Ah, you've been playing an RPG this whole time. Now your dread has come true. The twist. (laughs) Second one is going to be King's Dilemma. Uh, Nick and I have played this Hmm. one for several weeks. It is a fantastic game. The writing on it, so good in that you are advisors to the king and you all have your kingdoms that you support and that have things that are important to you. And you're trying to get the king to do things in favor of your kingdom or make decisions that help things that are important to you. What's the mechanic for that one? Voting. Okay, interesting. But there's, uh, there's, 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 there's power and money, okay. and so there's certain things you can do to get more, or you spend it in order to... So, like, to, resource kind of management? A little okay. bit. It's not exactly resource management, because yeah, yeah. you, you don't get them back the same way, but you're trying to convince other people to vote your way, and sometimes you just muscle them out by going, I'm just going to drop 
five power on this, and everyone goes, well, I can't match that. So it's oh, okay. also that it's important for them to have a lot of, lot of money. So you can be like, hey, throw your vote behind me and I'll give you five coins. Oh. And they're like, oh, that sounds good. I'll vote behind them. Interesting. It's No, it is a legacy game, but not mm-hmm. legacy as in like a pandemic legacy or something mm-hmm. like that, or betrayal legacy. But it's, it does have a, over time, this happens. Okay. Right. And even though there's no... RPG component of it, again, because you're playing the leader of a nation state and you're trying to do all this stuff, you kind of develop an attitude that colors how you interact with people. So it's a baby step into RPG. I love that gray wheat. I think a one-sheet RPG is also a good entry from for board game players in that like like something like a Lasers and Feelings or a Witch is Dead or something like that where... Honey Heist. Yeah, Honey Heist is a great mm. example of one where... They don't really feel like they have to do a ton of prep going into it, which I think is what intimidates a lot of people about. I mean, I think like obviously they're going to figure out pretty quickly you're playing an RPG, but I think that it like makes them go, okay, I have an hour or two to try this out and see where it goes. And I don't have to think of a backstory. I can just pick from this list and that's great. And then I can move forward. I think that's a good way to get people who might be like curious, but aren't like sold on the idea of getting into it. I think that's mm-hmm. a useful thing to do. Yeah, it's a lower buy-in. So they're yeah. not like spending a bunch of money or anything. Well, and also if there's sort of ridiculous like honey heist or poor, poor, poor Dracula's and a and yeah a, or poor Sherlock Holmes and Dracula. <laughs> Dracula yeah and that it's one's a good one because there's a, there's a mechanic of like I'm trying to figure out this game. it's almost like playing <laughs> I've like, never heard like of werewolf or something where you're like okay who's the person like yeah a secret role game is a really good way of getting somebody into role playing yeah exactly for, for the same reason but what I was going to say is that they're so sort of ridiculous you don't have to feel like there's any stakes like i'm doing it wrong no you're playing a bear who's trying to steal honey from a bank yeah or, or you're playing a, you're playing a sherlock holmes who like the premise of that one is everyone's playing a different sherlock holmes but one of them is a vampire and you have to figure out and like they each but but <laughs> even the ones who aren't this. vampires have one quirk that might make them seem like a vampire like oh you hate garlic or you're you don't want to be in the sun so you have to try you have to probably figure mm. the one who's a vampire has two traits you have to figure <laughs> out which one has two tra- it's sort of yeah. like that yeah that's amazing. It's very fun. I, I really it. want to play that now. Oh, and the last one, Dead of Winter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That one also has objectives that you're trying to accomplish that are secret from everyone else. So, yeah, you may want to hoard food from people or cause a bunch of noise to get other people killed. So, yeah, zombie game. Mm-hmm. Also nice. board game. Cool. All right. Yes. Emily, I hope that helps. Good luck in your quest to uh, bring more people into the TTRPG hobby. And specifically if, your wife. If you're not watching this live or watching the whole video go, Burke also recommended Betrayal House on the Hill, which I think is also a really good mm. one for that. It's mm-hmm. completely a board game, but it definitely encourages RPG play. Yeah. Nice. Very good. All right. Mailbag number three. Well, dear handsome Kimmy Happy Jack plus number of guests, long-time one. listener, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lightning round question. When you are starting a non-fantasy campaign, do you have a favorite published adventure to use to introduce people to said genre slash campaign world? Yours and Hera, Daniel, Dan of Tomorrow. P.S. Dekuma has saved my Worldwide Wrestling campaign at least twice. And for that, Kimmy, I thank you. P.P.S. Drink. I drink with Jeff All right. Don't tell them that. <laughs> I got some drops. It's legal. Yeah. I don't have anything to say for this email other than thank you. I'm glad you like Dekuma. Ready, go, friends. <laughs> well, I do have something to say to Dan of Tomorrow. <laughs> I'm running a Deadlands game for some friends who are vaguely familiar with the world. This is just a home game, so sorry, you're not going to see that televised. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to one of the old classic adventures that came with the 
GM screen from way, way, way back in the 90s sometime. And I'm using that. And it's called uh, This Harrowed Ground. And uh, I think it's a pretty good introduction to get people into the Deadlands feel in that there are there are good themes and it introduces the fact of the supernatural and gets people on the horror side of being trapped in a little town somewhere and not having resources or anyone else to come and save them, but also having to solve this mystery or figure out what's going on. I can't be more specific because I have a player of the game right here as well, but I think it's a good introduction. Nice. I played a recent version of Deadlands for people that had not played Deadlands at all, and I used the adventure that came with the GM screen. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it. Uh, you're trapped in a small town. But yes, it gives them a, a run-through of all the weird stuff in the world. I said for, the force screen, this is an issue for me. I play non-fantasy campaigns, and I also do adventures from books, but I don't have a non-fantasy adventure from a book that I can <laughs> think of that I would have done. But what I have recommended is that I what I used to love when I was younger, first starting out in role-playing back in the 90s, I was playing a lot of World of Darkness games, and I used to love buying the city-based source books that were basically like, here's all the things that are happening in this region. And it was a really good way for me to kind of like help visualize both for myself and for players the world that they were in because it would be like, okay, now this city has... Here's where the werewolves hang out in this city. Here's where the vampires are like meeting at, up at. And so it gave the world like a really fleshed out vibe and it made them understand like, okay, here's how this horror like setting lays on top of what I would recognize in my real world as something. And so I like those kind of things. And then again, I mentioned earlier the one-shot games. Like one thing I like about Lasers and Feelings, I like the way like it quickly like gives you a sheet you can just roll and those things are there right there. So then you don't have to worry about prepping too much if you just want to get the players used to a setting. Yeah. It's really quick and easy to design a setting for them. So yeah, I love when I I played through a bunch of these. I love the ones that have some sort of like low stakes combat up front, like for the same reason you're talking about the board game. So I could learn those rules real quick. Yeah. Because that takes a lot of anxiety off of my shoulders. I'm like, okay, I did a combat. It's okay. All right. Mm-hmm. No problem. And then like moving in, then like role playing and immersing myself in the game is a lot easier because I've got those basic mechanics down. Yeah. Agreed. I was being a smart ass earlier, uh, but for a real answer, the masks of Nyarlathotep. That opening, I love it. You all get letters from, you know, this person that, you know, you've known, you've had a long history. This person's a reporter. That's for which which system? Call of Cthulhu system. Okay. So yeah, you get this letter, you all show up at this hotel, and you're waiting for this person. They never show up. You go to the front desk, like, oh yeah, he's up in the room, yada yada you. So you go up to yada yada you and you see the doors. I'm your open. neighbor and yada yada why? What? Ah. Who's in yada yada do? No? All right. Yeah. Sorry. Right. We'll keep going. Oh, yeah, you go up there, there's blood on the floor, there's angry cultists that try and attack you and kill you, and it's just, it's nuts right out the gate. That's awesome. Agreed. All right. Yeah. I had another one, but my mind is kind of crashing here. Oh, it's not exactly a starter adventure that way, but I would recommend, and this is urban fantasy, but if you look at the Dresden system games where, where they actually have... Building the city and building what's going on is baked into the start of the game as just like making your characters. And that is also very much a way to 
introduce everyone to how the game's going to work and and how the concept is going to go. And you could probably modify that for other non-fantasy games if, if you wanted to. I love games that do that. I'll say, speaking of modifying fantasy games to a non-fantasy setting, it was a 5e like compatible book, but it was I can't remember it was called Unchained or Uncaged, but it was a series they did. And each one took a different mythological monster. Oh, Uncaged Anthology. Uncaged Anthology. And so each one, again, it's designed for 5e, so it's very fantasy, but it's it's independent. Well, I think it was on DM's Guild, but it was great because each one took a known figure from mythology or folklore and then built a story around them. And a lot of it was playing off of things that the players would already know out of character about the legend or the story that was being told, but then twisting it in a different way. And there's lots of different genres happening within this one anthology book. Mm -hmm. And they're all one-shots that can be, if you wanted to, you could string them together into a story. Again, even though they're set up for 5e, I feel like they could be very easily adapted to other settings because it's more about recognizing the mythology and the monsters and it isn't necessarily the mechanics of the game rules. Yeah, and that's a great one because it's from a very feminist point of view. Yeah. So it's taking these very like patriarchal myths for the most part and kind of turning them on their heads. So you're seeing different like Medusas from a totally different point of view. Yeah. And stuff like that. So it's, I, I love that stuff. It's a great book. Yeah. yeah. I submitted... I think there was the third one and I didn't, I didn't do it. But yeah, like, I got I will keep late. submitting and keep... Someday I will be... Write something... That will be a pitch good enough to get in their books. They're so good. You wrote your own books. Cool. I know I do, but that I love those books. Like like anything no, like great. super feminism and like oh yeah, women are super unempowered. Like just speaks to my heart. So I'm like mm-hmm. I will write a thing for five e. It'll I'll do it. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> but I did. That, but I submitted that probably why my submission was probably not. I was like, there's gonna be stats here. Some. Someone will give me stats that will work for this thing. But here's the story. Yeah. <laughs> so we should just collab on that then. Yeah, so, I'll do the stats. Yeah, you exactly. do that story. I'll just write an indie TTRPG that's super feminist and like turns on. <laughs> Stop giving away the free stuff. <laughs> uh, I know we're not supposed What's to the give magic word the... campaign agnostic. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I know we're not supposed to give fantasy ones, but Weekend at Strahd, I absolutely <laughs> love. Essentially, Strahd is dead and it's Weekend at Bernie's. For those of you that are <laughs> From the 2000s and after, Weekend at Bernie's was a movie. No, look, Google it. They all know Weekend at Bernie's too, right? That's the classic. <laughs> but yeah, so you're just trying to get through the weekend and keep Strahd alive. Love it. It's got it's a great amazing. soundtrack. Comes with it. Before we close out, I do want to say something to uh, Rose RPGs. I will absolutely go ahead and look up The Rush by Cy Spurrier. Was recommended as a comic that has very Deadlands vibes. So Ooh. I just want to announce that to anybody. Who might also be interested in that. Very nice. All right. Thank you for joining us for season 31, episode 13. I like that it's 3113. It makes me happy. Palindrome. Yeah. Please visit gemroomgames.com to support our amazing indie designer of the month, Gemroom Games. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, who worked very hard tonight. We had a lot of people who needed yep, to be yep, yep. tonight. A lot of bots. 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 Mm-hmm. There weren't people. They were clearly not bots. It says right on it. Not <laughs> a bot. Not a bot. Not a bot. Like, that's why they, Zero seven. They had to yeah. keep making new accounts to come in because James kept blocking <laughs> them from the bot. Anyway. Gosh, Way to do your job great and be wonderful. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> anyway, thanks to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. That's why we get to talk about whatever we want and we don't have to talk about the OGL like everybody else has to talk about. And Nothing else to say. <laughs> no, it's like, I say as someone talked about it for open a while, goldfish license. Yeah. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. Oh man. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. My name is Jameson. I'm Taco Cat. Yes. And well, we're talking about palindromes. I know. It's very. <laughs> Do you want me to be Evil Olive instead? I like or, both of those or, so much. You know what? <laughs> Tonight, I just want you to be Nick. Be the Nick for us. So we um, like Nick. Yeah. All right. Okay. You don't have to somebody I'm else to love you. I love that as we said that, James Band. Not, <laughs> not a bot deaf 17. Oh, one more time. They're getting up there. They're trying to 17. To... <laughs> All right. Tonight, we're going to leave you the song. We're going to leave you with a song called Side Quest by our friends, the Dread Crew of Oddwood. They're awesome. They're amazing. They do heavy metal with acoustic instruments. And they're our friends from Fair. You can find them at thedreadcrewofoddwood.com. Yes, you have to type the the. I've spoken with them about it. It's fine. And uh, yeah, and we will see you next week. Thank you all so much. And bye. Bye.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. 